Good afternoon and welcome to On the Arts, our weekly radio magazine of the performing arts. I'm your host, David LaTulipe. This week, well, a great way to start out Black History Month, you'll hear about Underground Jazz Cabaret. It's a collaborative music, theater, storytelling event created by actor-activist Denny Glover, actress Rodessa Jones, and incredible saxophonist and jazz innovator Idris Akamore. All three of those artists will be with me to tell me more. Us more. <laughs> Bay Area Cabaret guest singer Max von Essen talks about his upcoming engagement at the Fairmont this weekend, taking a break from his role as Billy in Chicago on Broadway. And Philippa Kelly in conversation with Charya Burt to talk about upcoming Cambodian classical dance. Stay with us. Hello, I'm Tomeskin Devisai with the BBC News. Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has said that the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees must be shut down. A number of donor countries have suspended their funding of the agency in response to accusations by Israel that at least 12 UNRWA members of staff took part in the October the 7th attack by Hamas. Sebastian Usher reports. The UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres has said that UNRWA is the backbone of all humanitarian work in Gaza. But according to the Israeli Prime Minister, it's totally infiltrated with Hamas. Speaking to a group of UN ambassadors in Jerusalem, Mr Netanyahu said that it needed to be replaced. The heads of other UN aid agencies have warned of catastrophic consequences for the people of Gaza as a result of a suspension of funding by many of UNRWA's key donors. Palestinian health officials say the situation at the two main hospitals in Khan Yunis in southern Gaza is becoming desperate. Both have run out of food and the spokesman for the Hamas-run health ministry said wounded patients might soon start dying. U.S. senators have accused the heads of some of the world's biggest social media companies of willfully failing to protect children from sexual exploitation. In one exchange, the Republican, Lindsey Graham, told Meta's Mark Zuckerberg he had blood on his hands. Naomi Iqbal is in Washington. Social media platforms are being increasingly scrutinized because there's growing evidence, Congress says, that suggests that excessive use and the proliferation of harmful content is damaging young people's mental health. Just to give you the sort of quick stat, in 2007 there were hearings held in Congress to address the very same issue, rising reports of online child abuse. At the time, a law enforcement investigator said, I quote, they were overwhelmed, underfunded and drowning in the tidal wave of tragedy. And that year, tech companies reported 100,000 reports of illegal material. Last year, they reported 36.2 million. Mr Zuckerberg and peers from TikTok, Snap, X and Discord insisted they already had robust systems in place and were investing billions in trust and safety. The UN, the United Nations says 18 million people in Sudan are facing an acute hunger crisis as the civil war rages across the country. Camilla Mills reports. A senior UN official told the BBC that in Darfur alone, 150,000 children would die if they didn't receive simple food packages. Anthony Spalton also said there had been a 400% increase in reports of grave violations against children in Darfur, including killing, recruitment into the armed forces and rape. The UN says that at least 13,000 people are known to have died since the conflict broke out in April, but the actual number is believed to be higher. Camilla Mills reporting. World News from the BBC. 
The Cuban government has announced it's delaying an unpopular five-fold increase in fuel prices hours before it was due to take effect. The economy vice minister, Mildred Granadillo, attributed the decision to a cyber attack on the computer systems used for marketing fuels. In an interview with Cuba's state television channel, she said the attack had come from abroad. The FBI has said it's dismantled a cyber hacking network, which it said had been targeting U.S. infrastructure on behalf of the Chinese government. The FBI director Christopher Wray told the committee the Vol Typhoon network had been preparing to cause real-world harm. He said it had been carrying reconnaissance of services such as communications, power and water treatments. China has rejected claims that it sponsors such groups. The U.S. aviation authorities have warned Americans to avoid pointing lasers at airplanes after a record number of incidents were reported by pilots last year. Most happen at night during takeoffs and landings and risk temporarily blinding the pilots. The paper napkin on which the 13-year-old Lionel Messi signed his first contract with Barcelona Football Club is to go up for auction in March for a starting price of just over $380,000. The napkin carries a commitment from then-Barca director Carles Rechac to sign the Argentine teenager. Tom Bailey reports. The pivotal moment in football history came in December 2000 when Barcelona's sporting director invited Messi's father to lunch after he'd raised concerns at the lack of response following his son's trials at the club. Written in blue ink, the agreement went on to be ratified by the club's president and was formally signed that same night. A month later, the club completed the signing of the teenager who would go on to become one of the greatest players of all time. BBC News. In celebration of a half-century in the performing arts, San Francisco-based actor, activist, and author Danny Glover, stage actress Rodessa Jones, and musician-composer Idris Akamore salute Black History Month with two performances of the Underground Jazz Cabaret at The Lab. The Lab is located at 2948 16th Street here in San Francisco. And to tell us more, I'm very pleased to be joined by the creators of this very special event. Rodessa Jones is the founder and artistic director of the award-winning Medea Project, Theater for Incarcerated Women in HIV Circle, a performance workshop designed to achieve personal and social transformation with incarcerated women and women living with HIV. Rodessa performed as the voice of Lulu in Disney Pixar's new animated film Soul, which won an Oscar presented at the 93rd Annual Academy Awards in 2021. Among her many accolades, she received a special recognition award for her service to black theater presented at the National Black Theater Festival's Awards Gala. In February of 2021, Rodessa was awarded the Pew Center for the Arts Fellowship as well as an anonymous was a woman award, an unrestricted grant that enables women artists to continue and grow to pursue their work. Jones was named the Frank H.T. Rhodes Chair at Cornell University from 2018 to 21 and recently joined the roster, along with 
August Wilson, Cornell West, and Anna DeVere Smith as prestigious Dartmouth College Montgomery Fellows. Rodessa, thanks so much for joining us here on The Arts. Well, thank you for having me. Well, Idris Akamor is an alto and tenor saxophonist, multi-instrumentalist, and composer, founder and artistic director of the San Francisco performance company Idris Akamor and Cultural Odyssey, one of San Francisco's oldest and most unique African-American performing arts organization founded in 1979. He's also the founder and artistic director of the Jazz and Music World Ensemble Idris Akamor and the Pyramids, which he founded in 1972 and which is celebrated in these concerts. In addition, he is founder-CEO of the African-American Theatre Alliance for Independence, a consortium of San Francisco-based African-American arts organizations that create work deeply rooted in the black experience. Idris, welcome to On the Arts as well. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Sure, and I'm honored and a bit intimidated, I think, to welcome my other guest, actor, producer, and humanitarian Danny Glover, who has been a commanding presence on screen, stage, and television for more than 30 years. He's widely known for his lead role as Roger Murtaugh in the Lethal Weapon film series, has also had leading roles in The Color Purple, To Sleep With Anger, Predator 2, Angels in the Outfield, and Operation Dumbo Drop. Prominent supporting roles also in Silverado, Witness, A Rage in Harlem, Dreamgirls, Sorry to Bother You, and The Last Black Man in San Francisco, among others. In addition to his film work, Danny is a civil rights advocate, longtime supporter of union rights, and a U.N. ambassador. In 2022, the Academy of Motion Pictures and Arts and Sciences honored Danny with the Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award. In addition, Mr. Glover has received numerous accolades, including the NAACP's President's Award and the Cuban National Medal of Friendship by the Cuban Council of State. He's also received nominations for four Primetime Emmy Awards, four Grammy Awards, and a Daytime Emmy Award. Danny, such a pleasure to welcome you to On the Arts. Thank you. And given all of those credits, I'm afraid that's all the time we have. So <laughs> thank you very much for being with me. <laughs> It's been lovely. Bye-bye. Idris, Danny, your San Francisco roots run deep. Danny, born here with some early training here at ACT, and yet you still uh, still seem to like San Francisco. Good for you. I'm sorry. Your long, deep roots in San Francisco. Welcome back. I was born and raised here. You can't get deeper than that. And I still live here in the city. I grew up in, in the Haight-Ashbury. Most of my life, I still live in the vicinity, but I live in the city. Um, I worked in the city, too. I worked uh, for the Office of Community Development out of Hunters Point in the Mission District um, in, the, in the 70s. And so it, it, there's a, a, a connection to the city. Uh, my, uh, my mother, in her very unique way, uh, uh, as she, uh, my dad wanted to go back and to the to Detroit. She said, "This is God's country." So I'm here. <laughs> I, you know, I think I'm with you on that, my friend. Um, yeah. So, and some some early acting training at ACT as well. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, you what? Early acting training at ACT. Well, I, I said everything is beginning here. I mean, it was a space that was really uh, incredibly. Um, uh, really welcoming, you know, um, for their good work. 
Uh, remember, we, we had a place that was the center of the comic culture in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, you can talk about it. Everybody was trying to manage, manufacture something else around the country, but there was this very special, um, very special place. And I, I began, if, if, if I'm not involved, if I don't become involved in the movements in Portuguese uh, colonialism in Angola, Mozambique, Guinea-Bissau, or South African apartheid or Namibian uh, apartheid, I don't become an, an actor, really, because I just happen to do the kind of work uh, and, and starting here is work around Athol Fugard, the great South African playwright. I did his work and everything, and it took me from here to wherever else I, I, I ended up. So it's, it, there's, there's, there's some sense of finding some place where you have ownership. And I think in, in, in terms of that, in terms of San Francisco, and, and I'm sure Idris or Rodessa is going to talk about the same thing, that San Francisco is a very unique place to work in. It's accessible, and uh, there's a way in which we, we've all grown, not only to love it, but grown to... To, to, to work on his Well, before we continue our conversation about underground jazz cabaret, since we got you close to the Zoom here, um, yeah, I think becoming a San Franciscan, you become a global citizen in, in one way or another, and your activism runs deep and internationally, uh, several international turns. Now, you've been involved in projects for, let's say, decades, so let's just talk about what you've been doing lately, as your, passionate, your passion certainly runs deep. What you been doing lately? Huh? What have you been doing lately? Well, um, well I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been doing. I think we all. I, I, I felt that was some directed somewhere, someone else. I'm a goodwill ambassador uh, to UNICEF. I've been for a long time. Um, there, there's so many things. I was just approached at a, of a group down in Hunters Point that it has a youth program that they want me involved in. So I can get. They can call me up and call me up and say. <laughs> Yeah, I worked out in Hunters Point, uh-huh. the Bible City program and, and mission, and those are very. I, I think that I, there's always going to be my phone is always going to ring off that. You know, <laughs> talk about a lot of things that that I think are necessary. My my mother, my mother who who and Mays and everything else. When my dad decided that he wanted to go to back to Detroit. And he was discharged here in San Francisco from the Army after World War II. She she said, you better find a job here. We're not going anywhere. This is God's place. <laughs> so she had to say that at, at the war. There's a, lot of things, there's a lot of work, but there's an atmosphere and, and I can't, a, a sense of its own history, a sense of its own history and its capacity to involve people, engage with people. Look here, I've worked in the Hispanic community, the African-American community, uh, Asian communities. All these communities are places, um, uh, it, you know, important. And in fact, the, the only, one of the only, the first school of ethnic studies is at San Francisco State in the country. And we were on track in 1968 as students, and we became, and we, we, we brought that about. It's still existing. And you know what's really interesting is that this project was funded by the San Francisco Foundation, mm-hmm. and we began with conversations about how do we talk about communities and how 
we are all a, a part of a various community. And uh, just hearing Danny talk about his, his growth and his success in San Francisco, it just speaks so, it resonates so around the idea of these conversations about communities that have come out of uh, San Francisco as well as the San Francisco Foundation has funded. And it's so wonderful that we're, we sort of jump off talking about that stuff, the sitting mind, that the you know the whole mm-hmm. idea of how we um, take root in this community. Yes. And one of the things about one of the things about the underground jazz cabaret is that I founded it like in the turn towards the turn of the century, like maybe nineteen ninety eight. But it was a, it was I did it because for it, so it could s- support local musicians who weren't necessarily being supported in some of the other mainstream clubs or mainstream uh, producers that. The Underground Jazz Cabaret was intended to really give ourselves an independent voice. So, so in those early days, we, we, we produced people like the, the, uh, Ed Kelly, who was a very well-known pianist in the, in, in the Bay Area. We, we basically produced uh, Robert Stewart and Omar Sosa, all, all these you know, local musicians and musicians that were coming through. We were, uh, that it became a kind of a platform for self production and independence so and there have been several there have been quite a few underground jazz cabarets and we just kind of revised it after so long of a period you know after covid and the underground jazz cabaret wasn't you know and i've been doing a lot of traveling internationally so i wasn't able, really able to produce it but this is a kind of a, a, a premiere again it's yeah. a, to re-envision it and to re-envision it with these two is a joy i mean it's like a dream come true. That's Idris Hakamore along with you also heard Rodessa Jones and the great Danny Glover talking about their project Underground Jazz Cabaret. It's at the lab on 16th Street here in San Francisco this Friday and Saturday. A link at our website for tickets for that. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the genesis of this project. Uh, Rodessa, you mentioned um, the, the foundation's involvement and then how e- each of you contributed to the project. Well, let me talk very, very briefly. That, this is Idris. That, Go ahead. That, that it's, a, it's also a libretto in the sense that Rodessa's done a lot of really, really wonderful writing that speaks to the times we're living in. An example is we have a, a, we have a piece that's called Prayer for Changing Times. Yes. And maybe you want to talk about what the Well, prayer. as we were talking and thinking, as, as an artist, I feel like I want to make work that can save a life you know, work that can change the the molecules. And I feel like A Prayer for Changing Time is the name of one of our pieces, but I feel like the whole evening's work speaks to A Prayer for, for Changing Times. Everything from what's going on in Gaza, of course, to the... Uh, to the wars that are happening right here in the cities of San Francisco in, in the United States, excuse me. And also, how do we feed history for our children who are coming up? Because I feel like, and uh, Lord knows, then we got uh, Mr. Trump here again, you know, so how do we speak to all? We try, we try not to say that word on, on Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> he won't go away. <laughs> uh. 
if he only would. Anyway, I, I hear you. Thank you, Rodessa, for all all of those those works and and working with it. Now, part of this project, Idris, is is the involvement of the pyramids. Founded in Ohio, Antioch College over fifty years ago before settling here in the Bay Area. Wow, quite a ride. Half a half a century. Half a century. <laughs> Yes, I feel very fortunate. We were we were students at Antioch College, a very revolutionary. It was like a very revolutionary college, you know, in Yellow Springs, Ohio, you know, uh, and and it had a uh, there was a very uh, there were no grades. They had a broad program that I allowed me to go for a year abroad. I told them I wanted to go and form a band in Europe, and so they said, "Well, normally we go from one college to another college, but." We have this project called Your Own Plans. So you want to take, you want to make your own plans? Go for it. So they allowed me to develop this project where I said, I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to perform, uh, perform, uh, form a band. And then we're going to work in Europe. And then we're going to go nine months and travel and study in Africa. So that's what we did. And the pyramids was, formed, was founded in Paris uh, in, in Baisonson, the University of Baisonson, but mostly in Paris. And then we went to Amsterdam where we performed all around the Netherlands, the Paradiso, which is still there. And then we left for Africa, traveling through Africa, living in Ghana for many, several months, going up into the bush, uh, where you almost go back 500 years in African history, uh, going to, to Bogotanga and Tamale. So yeah, we learned so much about African music, culture and society and the community. And that was the foundation of the pyramids. What will uh, what form of the pyramids, so to speak, will be presented for these concerts? Who's going to be involved? Well, Margot, who is an original pyramid, uh, she's joining. She's rejoined the band a couple of years ago. And we, we were. She's my uh, my ex wife and the, the mother of our daughter Aomawa, who is a, uh, a, phys- uh, 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 basically a, uh, in the astronomy department at UC Irvine. You know. And uh, but anyway, Margot is an original. Hashima Mark Williams is on bass. He's also very much an original uh, with the band because when the band got out here in San Francisco in '74, we we brought some uh, San Francisco local musicians and and, and Hashima's been with me since uh, 1974, 70, and '75. And so going to be on there. And then Bobby Cobb on guitar. Uh, play has been with the cultural odyssey since, since 81 not a part of the pyramid so we have three original pyramids and a lot of other musicians that go and that's a with. young uh, the, the young fellow from emergency report yeah who was one of our youth um he was a part of our youth uh, programming back in the day and now he's playing kungas very uh, wonderful on kungas stage. Yes. Yes. Hmm. yeah and uh that's idris akamore uh Rodessa Jones, actress. I imagine you and Danny are going to be doing some spoken word as well. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll be. I'll speak. We. It, it's so. It's so thrilling because these are pieces that I've written and reworked over the years. But uh, one of the centerpieces is something entitled China Lane, mm-hmm. and China Lane is my attempt at unravel unraveling uh, was possibly my history connected with Asian history with my great, great um, grandmother and auntie in Georgia, you know, uh, and uh, I, we, um, in my family, we tease ourselves and we say, where does the, where does the splendid eyes come from? You know, and, and this pointy face, there's a whole group of women in my family that are really, they're, they're beautifully Asian crafted. And we had a cousin named China Lee 
who was born like 50, 100 years ago. And I took it upon myself to write a story about what possibly could have happened. And that's a centerpiece. And I'm so proud. And and, uh, and the music is so rich. You know, Idris has uh, crafted such amazing music. And Danny and I share the story uh, of, of uh, uh, what... what well, I won't say too much since we've got the audience. <laughs> well, I would love to spend. I would, I would love to spend more time uh, with you guys, but we've got to move on to some other featured folks for this segment of On the Arts. That's was most recently. Uh, you heard Rodessa Jones, actress Idris Akamore, saxophonist and jazz innovator, and the great actor Danny Glover, all part of Underground Jazz Cabaret. Thank you, Rodessa. Okay. Thank, thank you, Danny. Thank you. And All thank right. you, Idris. Thank you for having us. We appreciate thank it. Bye-bye. Have a good evening. Bye. Thank you. All right. This is some of the music that will be featured for the Underground Jazz Cabaret. You should also know that the evening features new and existing work created and performed by the artists in collaboration and individually. Live music designed to be the thread that connects the stories and culture, ranging from the middle passage to contemporary reflections and aspirations for the future. In addition to the performances, on Thursday, February 1st at 6, a free event, the Lab and Cultural Odyssey will host a workshop, Don't Drop Dead on Stage, Sustainability, Prosperity, and Success in the Performing Arts, a roundtable discussion with Danny Glover, Rodessa Jones, and Idris Akamore, all discussing their road to success, as well as some other valuable information to lift up the essential role of artists and cultural practitioners. I'm David Latulipe. On the Arts, Max von Essen, direct from Broadway, and his role in Chicago coming up. He's got a performance this weekend as part of SF Cabaret. And some Cambodian dance coming up next. Stay with us. Well, I'm going to turn things over to Philippa Kelly for her next guest, which is a combination of dance shows with the Paul Drescher Ensemble, some upcoming Cambodian classical dance. Philippa. Thank you, David. And welcome, Charia. It's just an honor to be able to interview you. And I'll just say quickly, David, uh, I did text um, the ensemble to see if we could get any music for the excerpt. So um, I'm hoping that that can be provided and we can play it at the end by the great Chinnery Ong. But Charia, you are in the middle of your dress rehearsal. It is so amazing that you have carved out the time to spend this 15 to 20 minutes with us. And for anybody who doesn't know what rehearsal is like, especially dress rehearsal, every single second is spoken for. So Charia did a big reorganization um, in the last couple of days to be able to spare this time. So let's use it well. Um, the, 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 the beautiful dance performance to the music of, of Chinnery Ong and co-produced with the Paul Drescher Ensemble, um, funded by a Hewlett 50 grant. 
It begins uh, tomorrow evening at the Green Centre in Sonoma at 7.30pm. Afterwards, there will also be a talk back with these wonderful artists. To get tickets, please call 707-664-4246 or email tickets at Sonoma. And I'd urge you to get onto that quickly because the tickets for the Z Space uh, Sunday afternoon piece of performance are all sold out and were sold out days ago. So if you can get up to Sonoma to see this piece, I know it will just be beautiful. So Charia is an acclaimed master dancer choreographer, vocalist, and teacher of classical Cambodian dance. And she was a child during the Khmer Rouge genocide, uh, which most of our listeners would would know, uh, began in April of 75 and continued under Pol Pot for four long years until January of 79. Um and he actually died before he could ever be brought to justice um, and, and tried in court um, for his atrocities. So, Charia, um, you must have been very young during those years. First of all, just as a general question for our listeners, do you just as a child citizen remember anything about those four years? Um, thank you so much for um, inviting me to be here, Philippa, and and the uh, uh, the company that uh, we are working right now. They are in the rehearsal, so I'm like you said, I'm stepping out, and um, it it's it's a queue to queue. It's so important that we'll all be there. But I'm happy to be here and to share our, our upcoming performance on February first. I was uh, a young child um, when uh, the Khmer Rouge took over Cambodia in 1975. Um, I was uh, four, four and a half, five, you can say, five years old. And um, I don't, you know, I I think that uh, the the trauma uh, that a child gone through during that time. I don't I don't remember all the details of of, of mm-hmm. uh, what my mother or my sister would remember when they're a lot older. I remember as a child that it was a a scary noise, uh, children crying, you know, um, uh, no food to eat. Um, This is the the, um, the Popor regime who took uh, nearly 2 million Cambodians um, during its time and uh, three member of my family, my father and two two of my brother. Um, and so, and as a young child living here in Link during this time, I remember the, the painful that memory that my moms have gone through, um, my, my family have gone through. Um, I remember being a child was always hungry all the time. There was no food to eat. Um, I remember that uh, I, I lost uh, my own uh, 
education. I was supposed to be starting a elementary school soon and and going to that time, but I didn't. I you know I I felt like the childhood, my own childhood was taken away. Um, and and you know having to uh in in the reverse of Absara that the audience will be seeing. It will be mirroring uh, my own life in some um, in in Act Two, uh, talking uh, Act One and Act Two. So my own um, life as a child during the nineteen six uh, during the golden time. We're looking at the lens of my own uh, history um, when my my parents was was at there. Uh, they were happy. We're living a beautiful home before the war. Cambodian was uh, in in the the Dadan history in 1960 and and 50 is known as the golden uh, era. Cambodian dance was known as the at, at its height of of its uh, time, and so we we're looking at that time where. Cambodian uh, are very proud to identify those time of my parents, my parents' parent times, and that they remember about the beauty, uh, the golden time of Cambodia before um, the genocide in 1975. Mm-hmm. And so, as 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 the story um, take place as well, is we uh, talked a little bit about the 60 and then talk about the 1925 the artists um i'm focusing three uh, three of the artists who um gone through the kamaru i'm i told their story two of the two of them uh, master teacher um their granddaughters are here performing their story um telling about how their grandmother survived the, uh, during the Khmeru, how they were able to keep their dance tradition um, with themselves um, in order to, to survive. As you know, that 90% of Cambodian artists perished uh, between 1975 and 1979. So um, the reverse of Absara, take a look at the um, the impact of war have on the art and the culture of Cambodian um and the Cambodian people. Um and 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 so we we um we touching on 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 the survival and the the how the Cambodian artists trying to keep their art and survive. And one of the other inspirations for me was my own uncle Cheng Pon, who we told in the story as well. And he was a uh, um uh, um, uh, a director of the nineteen uh, in the night before the war, he was the director of of, of um, performing art. And during the Khmeru, he was uh, told to go uh, move evacuated to the countryside, and he had to hide hide the identity in order to to you know so with so many people not to know him that he was an educator, an artist, and and uh, a, a director. Um, so in the story itself, we told his story, his story and how he was able to survive, um, and, and came back in the 1980s to begin to revive, rebuild the culture and, and the Cambodian dance, um, after the, the genocide was over. And so, Charia, thinking about that, I just want to highlight for our listeners as well that we have Cambodian dancers who've come 
over from Cambodia to be part of this production. I also want to say, just this sounds so basic, but you were so tiny, you had no food. How did you grow the bone density to begin dancing at that young age? Was that um, your uncle who helped you to, to, to kind of, um, to imagine and realize that dream? Um, well, uh, I, you know, when I was a child, I knew that my uncle was uh, one of my inspiration that um, uh, who was an artist, who was a director, who have kept um, all of the uh, students, teach all the students. And I know that I one day I hope, you know, to be able to learn. But the, the Khmeru took over, you know, I don't know um, much about after that all I knew was about hungry for food looking for food to eat but um, in the 1980s um, right 82 when I begin to um, study dance learning about all these master teacher a handful of master teacher who survived the war return from the countryside and start to rebuild the art and rebuild uh and, and perform you know perform the art and start to teach uh, once again i saw this time as the cultural rebirth for the cambodian arts and i that was the generation i began to learn how to dance and i i feel an, a, a a great responsibility to be able to learn and to um carry my master teachers um Forge forward, and and that's how you know it. I was able to become a dancer, and then in nineteen ninety three, I moved here in 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 the US. And and by that time, you were married to your husband Rob. Yes, well, yeah. yes, I got married, and then I came here as a, um, and yeah, in nineteen ninety three, and um, I you know I I began to, I began to teach again and perform the art form, and I I feel that responsibility for me to keep continue to do what I my master teacher do um, over here in in America that's how I was able to begin teaching classes and continue to create work and continue to preserve and to share Cambodian um, dance um, nationwide and hopefully uh, around the world in the future. Oh, it's just fascinating, Charia. I'm so excited. Again, 707-664-4246 or email tickets at sonoma.edu for tomorrow night, 7.30. And just as a last little thing before you run back to rehearsal, for our listeners, could you tell them what a Q2Q rehearsal is, please, Charia? Okay, so the Q2Q is that... um, we run um, with the lighting, with the sound, um, and then the dancer will uh, walk through their movements and they play it and then they, we got stopped because the lighting has to be created so that it works with with the scene or with the certain dance pieces that, that, that uh, are focused at the moment. And then they'll they'll say, oh, can you do it again? And it actually takes a lot of a longer time for it to process in order to create a, a one piece with fully lighting and the sound. And sometimes you can repeat it uh, several times in order to get to get from the beginning to the middle and then to the end. And at this point, at this moment, at 439, 
we almost uh, finished Act Two. Um, but but it's, it's it's a long process that an artist uh, have to do um, to to be able to create a fully um, beautiful look on on the scene, on the dance, and um, on the the actual show itself. Well, thank you so much, Charia, and I will pass it now over to David to play a little bit of gamelan music. Thank you, Philippa, and thank you, Charia, for contributing and for being here as part of the Bay Area scene. Here's a little bit of gamelan music for you to get you in the mood. Go to dressurensemble.org for more information about these performances. has been what a rare mood I'm in why it's almost like being in love there's a smile on my face for the whole human race why it's almost like being in love all the music of life seems to be like a bell that is ringing for me and from the way that i feel when that bell starts to peal i could swear i was falling i would swear i was falling it's almost like being in love that's the voice of max von essen making his auspicious bay area cabaret debut under the auspices of san francisco cabaret this sunday at five he'll take to the venetian room stage to perform his classic album of broadway standards he's been a hit at new york's birdland the art house in provincetown manhattan's paradise lounge and in palm springs at the annenberg art museum all co- sorts of music, including Gershwin songs, we'll have a little taste of. Some childhood memories and Broadway classics like you heard there. What a great voice and welcome to On the Arts. Uh, I should also mention that Max, a few years ago, was Gleb Vaganov and Anastasia, then toured the country as Marvin in the Lincoln Center production of Falsettos. That's a show that is currently in rehearsal here in San Francisco at 42nd Street Moon, which you'll hear about on an upcoming On the Arts, and not starring Max. Max is currently starring... <laughs> on Broadway is Billy Flynn in Chicago and has also found himself, yes, roller skating across the country in the first national tour of Xanadu as Sonny Malone. Many other credits to his uh, resume and well as a backup singer for the legendary Liza Minnelli as well as film and TV appearances. Max, welcome to On the Arts. Well, thank you very much. Wow, I, f- I feel great having heard uh, most of my resume there. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's such a pleasure to discover your beautiful and beautiful musical talents in your voice oh gosh thank you very much so tell me a little bit about first uh when did the run of chicago start 
Oh, oh, for me, well, I was going to say 27 years ago. <laughs> uh, but for me, um, <clears throat> I've been there three months now. So it's a pretty new job for me, and I'm loving it. They do very short con- contracts for their leading roles. A lot of people come in and out, different celebrities come in and out, and they like to have freedom, you know, pay, how people, you know, pair up against each other and stuff. So I just extended um, there till the end of March, and hopefully, you know, may- maybe many more extensions to come. It's, mm. a, it's a real family over there. So once you're in, you kind of just become part of the family and keep making appearances. So I hope to be part of that family for quite a while. That's fantastic. Well, I guess like any Broadway show, its tenure on The Great White Way depends on box office sales. How have the crowds been? Oh, the I I joined just before Thanksgiving, and all through the holidays, completely packed. I mean, I'm I'm amazed every night. Uh, we, we're very very lucky as part of that Chicago run because it is just. I mean, it's, it is now the longest running Broadway show that is currently running, only second to Phantom, which closed you know recent recently. Phantom of the Opera, twenty seven years. I mean, it's just unheard of. So we're so lucky to have people still coming in, packed houses. Um, so it's just it's it's wild. I mean, it's, it feels for some of the people in the ensemble who've been there 10, 20 years, it's like a government job, wow. you know, which is un, un, unheard of <laughs> the, in, you know, theater. They, they bought that, they bought that condo in Tenafly just to, <laughs> uh, <yes. laughs> so I like, there's no guarantees on this at all, but with a, a show like Chicago, I think you hit the jackpot there. Now uh, you've got an exemption for a couple of performances to join us here in San Francisco. Not a bad time to escape New York city. Uh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm thrilled. Um, I don't know if you know, but this, this concert was scheduled almost f- exactly four years ago. I remember I was, and we all know what happened, you know, early March, four years ago. I mean, I was on my way to Newark airport already. And I got the call that I'm so sorry. The, San Francisco is shut down. Everything is canceled. I mean, I was literally on my way to the airport with my, my suit in my, in my carry on bag. So I'm so happy. It's finally been rescheduled. And, and because I'm extending it Chicago that they were willing to give me the weekend off so I could come pre- perform in San Francisco. So I'm just delighted that's all working out because it's time. It's really time for me to get there. <laughs> well, I imagine the whole idea of a national tour, which you're no stranger to, as I mentioned, has its appeal. But I also imagine it's nice to return to the same dressing room and apartment for an extended oh, run. A hundred percent. I love touring, but I live right in the theater district. And so I get to just walk to work, walk through that Broadway stage door, come perform for audiences, help them escape for two and a half hours. And quite frankly, I get to escape for longer than that, too. Walk into the buildings be with these great performers I love to just be with, socialize with, and then get on stage and create art with, sign autographs at the end, see that everyone enjoyed it, and then walk home again, grab a snack or a cocktail, go home. It's just heaven. And that paycheck clears every Thursday. It's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's everything comes together. I mean, my job is my art. So when you can, when you're getting paid to do what you love to do, it's just, it doesn't feel like work for life. one, right? It doesn't feel yeah. like work for one. And, but you're, you're grateful for that check. Yeah. I know what you, I know so what you grateful. mean. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about your show. What's your approach to sculpting a cabaret review program and who do you work with? Now, one you're working with is the amazing Billy Stritch. Nice score there. I think that's oh, uh, due, yeah, due yeah. your association I mean, with with Liza for that one, Liza with the Z. You know, is. yes, it's funny, and we talk about that in the show because I didn't actually even this didn't even come to me till years later. But I remembered my audition um, for Liza, and it wasn't going particularly great. And finally, she just looks at me. She's like, "Who's your favorite composer?" And George and I were always my favorite composers, songwriters when I was a kid. And at this moment, at this audition, I had no idea that Ira Gershwin was her godfather, right? Wow, or, you know that that her father Vincent Minnelli directed an American Gershwin's an American in Paris. 
Paris, uh, the the film, which I then wound up doing on, on Broadway. Like my mind would have exploded at the moment if I knew all th- these things. But she asked me then to sing a, a Gershwin song. And then she said, I'll sing a Gershwin song to you. And then you sing one to me. We'll do a kind of like a scene. Here I am, 22 years old. And I'm in a, a living room with Liza Minnelli. And that could have been disastrous. But it turned out it was, it was Billy Stritch at the piano. Wow. Which I didn't even con- con- connect till years later. As we were rehearsing, I was like, oh, my God, Billy, you were playing that audition. So we love talking about in the show. And then we sing the two songs. He kind of like steps in. He's got to sing Liza's part. Um, and then we, <laughs> we, we sing the two songs that, that we actually that Liza and I actually did in that audition. I was telling this story to a friend and he was like, you've got to put that in your show. And it hadn't even sort of crossed my mind. I was like, well, how do I kind of sculpt that? And then I realized that's the kind of stuff you, you sculpt into a show. Those kind of personal, if you come at it from your perspective, your personal life, what, what, you know, what influenced you, what you're most comfortable singing and stories that, that come, you know, are natural for you, then that's, then the show begins. And I, 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 it took me a while to realize that. I just thought I had to sing this song, that song, you know, do a concert, this current song or this modern musical. No. What, what am I meant? What feels like breathing for me? And it's the standards. It's American Songbook. It's Golden Age of Broadway incorporating some stories, how that all, you know, came to be for me. And then suddenly the, the, the show started falling into place and it wasn't as overwhelming, as intimidating as it was before when I just thought, oh my God, how do I, how do I even put together a show? And yes, Billy Stritch has helped me, um, create the, the entire show from my album to each time we do a show. Cause it's, it's constantly, you know, uh, it's constantly growing and changing. You, yeah, mentioned, you mentioned some Gershwin. Let's hear a little bit of your interpretation of Gershwin, then we'll talk in another few minutes with Max von Essen. Days can be sunny with never a sigh Don't need what money can buy Birds in the tree sing their day full of song why shouldn't we sing along? I'm chipper all the day, happy with my lot. How do I get that way? Look at what I've got. I got rhythm, I got music. Got my gal who could ask for anything more. Max Von Essen at the San Francisco Bay Area Cabaret this Sunday at the Venetian Room. Beautiful Fairmont Hotel this afternoon at 5. Great interpretation. I can see why Liza was wowed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you. Thank Uh, you. Yeah. Um, Well, um, I really like your approach to Fly Me to the Moon, a tune I've enjoyed singing on occasion with a little big band, you know. Uh, I'd love to go out with that, but you've got a very different approach to it. Tell us a little bit about it. I do, yeah. You know, I just... I, I had never really heard the opening verse. You know, poets often use many words to say a simple thing. And that... And not too many people, rec- you know, you, we used to fly a bit to the moon, you know, which is great. I mean, it's an incredible song. But hearing that opening verse, um, <clears throat> it just kind of set the song into, into a new place for me. And I just, I'm not, and I'm not usually that big on rediscovering songs. I like songs how they, I, I'm an ink kind of singer. I like, I want to know what George Gershwin wrote and Rogers and Hart, Learner and Low. And I generally follow that. I'm not a big scatter or big interpreter, but I, that one just came just sort of naturally. And I like big singing, but I also, there's a, there's like a sweetness sometimes in my voice when I approach from a lighter side. 
side and that just sort of fell into place and i don't know you know sometimes you sing at the piano and that's it just some it just makes the decisions are made for you and sure. i do love singing that song yeah well let's go out with that max von essen singing the classic in a different way fly me to the moon is that going to be part of sunday show Yes, 100%. Excellent. I'll uh, look forward to that one and say hello. Uh, Thank you. It's at the Venetian Room in the Fairmont Hotel where Tony Bennett first sang I Left My Heart in San Francisco. Max Von Essen in Chicago. We're going to talk, uh, maybe give a little excerpt from, give a shout out to the late, great Cheetah Rivera, who, as you know, was in Chicago as well back in the day and all that jazz. But in the meantime, Max, uh, have a great show and a great flight out here. Um, perhaps see you Sunday. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like On Jupiter and Mars In other words, oh Darling, kiss me Fill my heart with song Let me sing forevermore You are all I long for All I worship and adore In other words Please be true In other words I love you Max Von Essen's take on Fly Me to the Moon. Max's show, Call Me Old Fashioned, the Broadway standard this Sunday at 5, the beautiful Venetian Room under the auspices of Bay Area Cabaret, bayareacabaret.org for more information. The great Billy Stritch will be part of the mix. And as always, there's some wonderful additional Bay Area Cabaret performers coming up. Well, speaking of the Great White Way in Chicago and Broadway... Well, we lost a glowing presence with the departure from these mortal coils of the great Cheetah Rivera, who passed away just yesterday at the age of 91. Her amazing and groundbreaking career achievements include two Tony Awards, two Drama Desks, and a Drama League Award. She was first the first Latina and the first Latino-American to receive a Kennedy Center honor in 2002 and the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2009 with a Tony Award for Lifetime Achievement in 2018. Many of us may remember her either in person, or in my case, the original Broadway cast of West Side Story. A boy like that would kill your brother. Forget that boy and find another. One of your own kind, stick to your own kind. A boy like that would give you sorrow. Another boy tomorrow One of your own kind Stick to your own kind A boy who kills cannot love A boy who kills has no heart 
Cheetah Rivera as Anita in the original West Side Story music and lyrics by Leonard Bernstein. Wow. So sad to leave her, but what a legacy she's left behind after making her Broadway debut as a dancer in Guys and Dolls in 1950. She went on to originate roles in musicals like Velma in Chicago, the title role in Kiss of the Spider-Woman, a 10-time Tony Award nominee, winning the Tony for Best Actress in a Musical twice for her roles in The Rink and Kiss of the Spider-Woman. She was Tony-nominated for her roles in Bye Bye Birdie, Chicago, Bring Back Birdie, Merlin, Jerry's Girls, Nine, and Cheetah Rivera, The Dancer's Life. She acted in the film Sweet Charity, appeared in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and Tick, Tick, Boom. Her autobiography, Cheetah, a memoir, just published in 2023. Well, we had Max Van Essen, who's currently in Chicago. Let's hear a little bit of Cheetah singing from Chicago and all that jazz. Why don't we paint the town? And all that jazz, I'm gonna lose my knees and hold my stockings down. And all that jazz, start the car. I know a whoopee spot where the gin is cold, but the piano's hot. It's just a noisy hall where there's a nightly brawl and all. Of that jazz Oh, stick your hair and wear your buckle shoes uh, And all that jazz I hear that Father Dip is gonna blow the blues <laughs> And all that jazz Hold on, hon, we're gonna burn it up I want some Shake apart and want a brand new start to do a diet, a diet. Oh, you're gonna see a shape, a shimmy shape. From all that jazz, Candor and Ebbs, Chicago, and the great late Cheetah Rivera. Broadway's a little bit dimmer tonight as a result of her passing yesterday at the age of 91. When two lovers meet in Mayfair, so the legends tell. Songbirds sing Winter's turn to spring Every winding street in Mayfair Falls beneath the spell I know Such enchantment can be Cause it happened One evening to me abroad in the air there were 
on the arts for this week. Thank you, Cheetah Rivera, for your artistry. Thanks to Janice Lee for producing On the Arts. I'm David Latulip. Our shows are archived at KALW.org.